Quiet on the set. Action. Everyone to the Movie Machine Podcast presented by Hot Chocolate Media. I am your moderator, Kyle, today, and I'm joined by three just titans of cinema history. I'm joined by Kirsten Wade, our writer, who designed all of David Bowie's cod pieces in Labyrinth, and then Jacob Gulliver, our director, who was the choreographer for the Truffle Shuffle and the Goonies. And David Elwin, who literally played Christopher Guest's sixth finger in The Princess Bride. The proudest moment. Yeah. It's a sweaty glove, but someone had to do it. All right. Our theme of our story today for our writer is a humorous revenge story. The main characters are a pious priest and a laid-back psychic. So, first, the thing that we have to decide is, what are we taking revenge on? What exactly are we going to be um, getting revenge for? And uh, if we're going to be making this funny, I think that it should be revenge for, oh gosh, maybe, so the psychic feels that the priest's Bible gives him extra powers, because maybe it used to be owned by a priest who was psychic himself, and so the psychic has stolen this Bible, and by hork or by crook, this priest is going to be getting it back. So we start with a sort of a bumbling psychic coming in and trying to sleight of hand it away. He has to disguise himself as a nun, because with the robes, it's easy to kind of ferret a Bible away under there. And then the priest needs to disguise himself as another psychic so that he can try and get it back. I think that the priest is going to manage to sort of ingratiate himself in with the psychic's friends and culture, and he has to pretend, you know, to be this sort of metaphysical type person. He he finds that he is able to fake his way into this culture pretty easily. And when he finally gets the chance to get the Bible back somewhere at the end of the second act, he realizes that it was sold to buy more incense because as we know, psychics gain a lot of their powers from the dragon's blood incense that they smell all the time. So they have to go to the incense dealer who's in the nearby city in a very, very shady part of town and work together so that they can get the Bible back and restore it to the church. Now, of course, the psychic isn't going to be very happy that uh, he's not gonna be able to get the book back for himself. However, I think that in the end, he's going to decide that it's the right thing to do to return it to its spot in that church. All right, you got a title for the film? Or names for the characters, maybe? Yeah. Title's most important, but... So, the priest, I'm thinking he's got to have kind of a stick-in-the-mud name. I want to call him Clarence, but, you know, everybody will just have to call him Clary. Because, you know, he wants to kind of make himself look a little weird, look a little cool, uh, bring himself down. And our, our movie is going to be titled Strange Communion. Okay. So, Director Jacob, you've got a script in front of you that's about a priest and a psychic teaming up to get a Bible back from a shady part of town and hijinks ensue. It's 
called Strange Communion. How you feeling? You gonna, you gonna make this thing happen? Make it look pretty? Yeah, I'm not entirely sold on the the title, but I think I think we can find something good in this. So what I'm imagining is we're we're gonna change it up a little bit. I think the beginning of the movie is gonna be the the psychic getting their hands on the book, so that the priest is chasing after the the psychic to try and get this book back. And the psychic has already sold it because they're an intermediary. This Bible was once owned by Edward Casey, the the famous medium of uh, American history. And so, therefore, it's it's interesting both because it was owned by a famous American and by a famous medium. So the the psychic has sold this to another person. But then they're they're going to realize that uh, well the. The priest um, has, you know, had it for for some time and didn't realize that it was like a, a famous book, and has been keeping his, you know, like personal notes tucked into the front because it was easier than carrying around like bags full of stuff when he's in his his robes. So it's kind of like this, you know, unlikely mild comedy duo where they have to go and get the book back, where like the the psychic feels bad for having taken it, and then. They're basically going from like location to location around the world. They kind of want to make it like a, a chase where they're trying to find this this book. You know, it'd be kind of like this, you know, quirky light comedy, more like you know, subtle witty comedy than like physical comedy or or anything like that. And so, so to that note, I want to do the the priest is going to be Nick Frost, and he's going to just straight man the whole thing. So instead of being like the goofy guy, he's just going to be like the oh, that's what we're doing now kind of guy. And, you know, sort of everything that's weird that happens, they're going to go all around and do all that. The psychic, I'm having some trouble with. There's part of me that just wants to make it Simon Pegg, you know? Because they're just already such a great duo. I don't know if we want to go that close to, like, the... You know, I don't know what we're, what we're going to get for budgets. So I don't know if that's going to be the direction that we go. So I would say Simon Pegg would be great if we can get him. You know, if if we can't go that route, maybe it's uh you know Steve Coogan or you know another another goofy British guy who can you know maybe a little cheaper. So that's kind of what I'm imagining, and I want them to go to Europe and Asia and also Australia chasing this book. So uh, I do want it to be set in Britain because I think this will sell really well to a British crowd. I don't really like the title, so let's let's change that. All right, so you still have a script, Strange Communion, but the director circled it in a red pen and just says no on that title, but no input. It's a buddy world-skipping adventure where they're hunting down a Bible starring Nick Frost, and please, 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 Simon Pegg if we can, but if not, Steve Coogan's cool. It literally is what it says in the notes. So, producer, what's your budget, and how do you think you make money off this thing? I'll tell you what, uh, I think we can market this as a uh, very tongue-in-cheek exploration of religion. Everything is possibly just all pretend, but it doesn't really matter anyway, because we're all having a good time here, we're all in this kind of thing together. Playing with a little bit of that, uh, perhaps the uh, perhaps the uh, psychic is a bit of a skeptic of religion because it turns out he's a psychic. He thinks that it's all just that, but you know it may not be. I like Steve Coogan. Uh, Steve Coogan is uh, remarkably. Uh, I mean, did you see Hamlet too? I mean, just remarkably awkward dude. I like. I, I was about to say globe-trotting caper case before you ever mentioned it. I mean, it literally is here in my notes. So thank you very much. Because uh, b- before you mentioned that it's set in Britain, I kind of wanted you to push more towards Kevin Hart, maybe reassembling the Rock Kevin Hart team from Central Intelligence. But this is this is Britain, so they don't know who those people even are. If we don't call it MacGuffin's Bible, 
I'm going to be very upset. I will cut off your funding. I, I, I'm yeah, not you're kidding. the producer. You can do whatever you want. Yes, exactly. So uh, I, I want to give this project, uh, let's give this uh, $55 million, And I want to be able to uh, use a lot of that to get us to film on location in a lot of places. If we even want to make it kind of like a rough, as if, uh, maybe not found footage, but... Uh, almost a faux documentary kind of thing. It's like I've been on the hunt for this for this Bible for so long, and that kind of thing. And I need I've, I've been on this kind of quest for a long time. It's almost a, a Don Quixote kind of story. Now um, I want to film at least a few scenes in the Vatican. Now uh, that's going to be hard because uh, they're n notoriously difficult to work with uh, when it comes to filming on their premises. Uh, if we offer to get them a little bit more of that dragon's blood incense, though, I hear they like that. Maybe that'll maybe that'll sway them. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, otherwise, if you just maybe promise to be really really nice with their architecture and uh, and their priests and everything, that should be fine. I can see the poster now. I can see Steve Coogan in a in a sea of maybe like these uh, red hatted priest fellows, and he's going what? You know, like that's that that's the poster right there. So, so that people don't really know exactly what they're seeing yet. They just know that they're seeing a film and it involves priests and that Steve Coogan is confused. So th that is crack to the British. That is beans on toast. That is, that is slice of tomato and mushroom with your breakfast kind of thing. That's going to resonate so hard, I guarantee you. Tomato. Uh, don't correct me. Now, um... Just making sure our British audience understands. Of course, of course. I think that we're going to make pounds by the pound in this film. As long as, uh, as, long as we can uh, really tie into the, uh, the, the British sense of humor without pandering too terribly because they have a very sensitive eye to that. All right. Writer, huh. your script has been cast with Steve Coogan and Nick Frost. You've been giving them a really healthy budget of $55 million for a comedy. A lot of that goes to travel. But it's, it's really healthy. How do you feel about the changes? Huh. Well, I uh, I feel it's gotten a bit more um, grand. Oh, it's called MacGuffin's Bible now. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, boy, it is. So, okay. I, I suppose going on location isn't a bad thing. Uh, the whole traveling could be lots of fun. I'd certainly see comedy there. I suppose it might be a little hard to go with that more documentary style. I'm not sure if I've ever seen Steve Coogan do a documentary found footage type movie, but uh, maybe if we could give him some lines, he always has to, to, to comment on something before it happens. So he will turn to the camera and say, oh, these dumplings are awful when they're in Beijing. And then two minutes later, the dumplings arrive at their table and he says, I know they're going to be bad. Don't eat them. Uh, you know, maybe that could just be his, his his shtick, is that he will be commenting on all these wonderful, different, exotic things that the audience will be experiencing along with us, and then later we find out, oh yes, that's what that joke was about. I see how it's funny now. Um, it would definitely help with rewatching. Maybe if we could learn a little something in each location as well. Just, you know, one or two little tidbits, facts about places that they've gone. I'm not sure it would work to be able to write in the Vatican. I, I just, I simply don't have that experience. I don't think I could really add some scenes. Could we maybe have them turned away at the door? And that might also work with that documentary style because we could just bring our camera and show us getting turned away at the door. That's cheaper. That's cheaper. I like it. Right. I, I think that if we want to make this 
a bit more revengey that we have to have some sort of villain then if they're going to be going all over the place to find this Bible. Well, who is it that keeps moving this Bible away? So perhaps at the end, there could be some sort of dark, shadowy person. We only get a glimpse of maybe who they are or what their motives are, but they're the ones who are facilitating the movement of this very, very important Bible. And so, you know, in the last sort of few scenes of the movie, they need to uh, steal it back from this particular character and possibly set up a sequel. Richard Dawkins. So, uh, director Jacob, the film is still called MacGuffin's Bible. It get changed. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to fix that. We're going to call this The Book of Edgar, since it's Edgar Casey's Bible. We are still going to keep the reference to MacGuffin's Bible in there. Nick Frost will, with a straight face, you know, like when... Steve Coogan is, like, berating him in that funny way where he's saying, like, you know, where do you think that Bible came from? Or, like, you know, can you see how old it is? And he's like, oh, I got it from a guy named MacGuffin. Or, you know, it's MacGuffin's Bible, isn't it? And you can just be like, no, it's Edgar Casey's Bible, you big dumb idiot. And then they can have fun little goofy British, you know, mouth off at each other. So that'll be fun. I don't think that, like, found footage angle is the way to go. I'm sorry. I, I'm not really feeling that. I want to keep this very clean, simple shots, mostly on a tripod. Don't want to do a lot of, like, camera moves and things. Just straightforward. We'll, we'll spend our budget on locations so that, you know, if we do find some reason to go to the Vatican, which I'm not entirely sold on, maybe we can do that. You know, I'd like to get, you know, somewhere like a... A night market in like you know China or Thailand or something like that, and maybe there's a you know some spiritualist or medium there who is you know bought the Bible and they have to you know go to them you know maybe do something in South America maybe there's uh, somebody there who's gotten their hands on this this Bible and is interested in that so really take the time to you know shoot the areas that we have and make this it doesn't need to be like you know, a beautiful cinematic masterpiece, but we've got the budget to get some great cameras and get some great locations. That's what I'm really focused on for this. You know, Steve and Nick can really dictate a lot of, like, the joke aspects of this script. And, you know, the overall flow that we've got is, is good. I don't know if I want Steve to, like, know about shit in advance. Because I don't know. I think we want it to be a little bit closer to reality. But I think, like... We can have lots of stuff where he's like predicting things and you know only some of it comes true so it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek where you know he's picking like fairly obvious stuff and just like oh, oh, oh we're gonna run into this guy up here oh this is this is gonna happen up here and you know we can kind of play with that and you know nick frost can kind of be like i don't know if that's the that's the truth or not and then it'll happen once to be like see i told you i told you i told you it'll be this fun dynamic between the two so that's kind of what i'm going for what do you change? Murphy's Bible or what was uh, the Book of Edgar? Edgar. Book of Edgar. All like right. It. Book like of it. Edgar comes to you. Straightforward, cleanly shot travel comedy movie. How you feeling, producer? Do you think this will be profitable? I gotta say, my mustache is well twisted right now. I, no, I, I, I like, I like everything you're going with it. I want, I want to use no real idea people. What that means. I want to, I want to use, I want to use real people. I want to use real locations and everything. The idea of getting turned away at the Vatican, brilliant. I like it. 
I think that we can even go with the whole location hopping aspect of it by before we release the trailer, perhaps, we can have a viral kind of marketing campaign where we send a Bible, just apropos of nothing, send it to, you know, select people. And then if you receive this Bible, you're like, oh, it's a promotion for a movie. And you and your friends can get free tickets or whatever. Uh, you, you just got to sign your name and where it last uh, ended up in, take a selfie, you know, and then send it on to the next place. And, you know, we could see then how far it travels. We see if we can make a circumnavigating Bible. And then, and if enough people have passed the Bible between them and everything, then the, the trailer for the movie's released. I think that'll build up anticipation for it. I think that having it premiere perhaps in some uh, important church in England, which is great because people don't really go to church in England anymore, so all the, you know, I'm sure that the space is available. So I... What, what, what I'm saying is that we can kind of have a tongue-in-cheek something that uh, we can actually count on the religious market while at the same time it's kind of lightly poking fun at the idea of religion sort of in the movie. Oh, I, I, I like the idea of bringing together perhaps clergy people and people from, say, the magic community and bringing them together and have screenings together. And they didn't know that they were going to go to a screening together, but they, 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 they find each other at the screening. It's like, oh, hey, you're a magician. You're a priest. We do the same thing. I know. But uh, uh, the, the, uh, I, don't think, I don't think $55 million is too generous a budget. I mean, we might even have a little bit of surplus left over of it. But, I mean, travel is expensive. Money, to, you know. It has to change hands so many different times. You gotta, you gotta take your film equipment. You gotta transport your actors. You gotta pay off government officials, bribes, food, gas. You know, all, all this other stuff Re really takes a toll on your pocketbook after a certain time. But uh, having a true international kind of flavor to this movie would be, uh, I think, good for England. I think that they need to rem <laughs> they remind themselves that there's other countries, and uh, that that's good for everybody. All right. So I'm going to put this uh, into the movie machine. <laughs> Sounds like the foghorn of a sailing ship. <laughs> Alright, so this one, the movie machine, um, it goes, eh, okay. Uh, the only thing is, is this is a ridiculously big budget for a very simple two-person travel movie. A lot of people wonder where all the money went. It's kind of a mystery. Like Steve Coogan and Nick Frost, while not D-listers or anything, are not prohibitively expensive actors. Like, their salaries isn't even 10% of the budget. So they're not sure. And with the camera style, you literally need three camera guys in a sound. Like, no one's sure where all the money went. And the thing, most British movies only have a budget of $1 to $5 million. Because, you know, it's a small population. So even if everyone in the country sees the movie, the box office return isn't huge. It's not just for Britain. Um, but that's, that's your primary audience. And it does really well in Britain. It's the number one movie in Britain for several weeks. It's very popular. You pick two beloved actors in the British Isles and it does really well there and that almost makes half your budget back. The United States is just kind of was like oh it's one of those smart talky films where British people are smart and we don't like smart movies in America and so it doesn't do terrible but it never gets higher than fourth in box office and it just kind of goes away so like you manage it does okay in Europe. You manage to break even on the film. It doesn't blow anyone away. British comedy buffs love it, but other than that, that's really all it does. Like I said, it's it's not a failure. It just kind of happens. So, using time travel magic, is there, is there anything you'd like to do to add a little octane to this film, or, or, or are you happy how it turned out? Are you okay with it, starting with a writer? You know, I'm, uh, I'm mostly happy with how it turned out. I guess... 
Maybe the only thing that I might change, perhaps to make a bit more of a statement, is while it is fun, maybe I would just give them both a scene towards the end where they just have a good, long talk about the nature of what they do and what they are doing and is it worth it and... You know, we're having fun, it's all a bunch of laughs, and then at the end, you know, we all just want to get a little introspective. And so maybe it'll explain it to people who don't quite get it, or it will really solidify it as as a more emotional movie. And then we go back to just having fun, but I think that might be the only thing then that I change. All right, director, you don't get rich off this film, but it's respected by people who like that certain brand of comedy. Are you okay with that? It's okay. I I like your idea to show some more introspection. I think, you know, as we're nearing the climax after they've gone to several different places, I think it's okay for them to break down a little bit and, you know, show their humanity a little more. Mm. We do want it to keep, you know, closer to the, the comedy angle than to get too deep into that. So I think I will take half of your advice and put that into the, the movie. You gotta, uh, you gotta shove them in deep so that you can pull them right back out again. Right, exactly. Show that they've, you know, come far and done, done a lot and they're tired and and it's starting to wear on them a little bit because then it makes the ending more satisfying when they're able to, you know, complete their their quest, as it were. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to really market this movie more uh, internationally. I think we need to have a decent chunk near the the beginning of the movie be in America. I think they go to New York, and Steve Coogan just loves it, and Nick Frost just like hates it there. So, and then we'll we'll see if we can find like uh, somebody to play. You know, a shady medium character. Uh, maybe we can bring in Kevin Hart to be a shady medium or somebody like that. I'll leave, I'll leave to the producer if, if there's any uh, any other actor who who might fit that bill. My people can talk to Kevin's people. Okay, you know, find something that's you know more marketable there. We'll find uh, an actor. Um, see see if we can get like uh, Jay Cho to come in and be uh, our our Chinese night market. Medium, so bring bring in a few more faces that are recognizable internationally. Then spend a little more time focusing on the coolness of these other other places that we're going to. So that's kind of my idea. You know, just let them have fun and experience the places together and their goofy characters. So, just so I understand, you're suggesting each place they travel, they meet a comedian from that area. Well, not necessarily a comedian, but I mean, we want them to meet a medium. Uh, that but it'll be a medium played by a comedian. Well, J. Cho is not really okay. a comedian. He's a like a, a singer and actor. It doesn't have to be Kevin Hart. It can be somebody else. Well, because there's nothing medium about him. Sure. Ah, see, it's a short yeah. joke. So, so okay, we won't use Kevin Hart then. We'll use somebody else. I was struggling to come up with names, and that was the first that came to my head. We can find somebody else. I'll leave it to David to find that. But the you know the chase for the the book is the the fun part, and meeting the people who have interacted with it and tell them where to go or you know are preventing them from getting further is is the interesting part. Okay. All right. So David, your co-creators are doing well. The studio is investigating doing an audit of your film because you're trying to figure out where all the money went. And you're, you're culprit number one and showing up with a, a, a brand new Aston Martin at the audit meeting didn't help you. So how you doing? I'd like it known that I only went for the V10. I did not go for the full V12 Vanquish, okay? It is not like I, I, I did not do this to aggrandize myself or my gilded toilet. Now, <laughs> that said, that said... If it will help the financials go forward, 
in such a way that pleases everybody, fine. Suppose I could slash the budget, do all that, all that we talked about, the realm of 30 million. Really like that V12. Now, um, I think that uh, I, I love your idea of having the cameos from different people, uh, all these different cultures throughout travel around the world. I do want it to kind of go all the way around the world if possible. I do want to have a circumnavigating film production. Again, bribes, expensive. Now, I, I, th that said, I, I, I want to have people that you would not necessarily expect to be part of this uh, cabal of mediums that are shuffling this book from uh, city to city, place to place, country to country. I want them to show up at some hut in Norway and out steps Hafthor Julius Bjornsson uh, for the mountain from Game of Thrones because he will do anything. Um, he d you don't even need to give him much of a script or whatever. You just have him do a series of shrugs and looks and then they'll just move on because he's a scary dude. It's probably good because he can't act. Exactly, exactly. That's why you don't even need people who who do act. I'm, and that deep introspection scene, I, I, I see it happening maybe like uh, while they're crossing uh, a, a Mongolian plain uh, under a beautiful canopy of stars on ponies. Now, the the, uh, the, the, the the distribution, I think, can go a lot more international. We need to get ADR going. We need to get the film dubbed in many different languages. I want it to uh, have a true, uh, at least international appeal. Let's, let's lean heavily pro-China. We really like the Chinese audience, and so maybe uh, there's gonna can be a good handful of scenes that take place in Beijing or someplace. Yeah, that said, I think that we'll be fine. We'll make back our money, and uh, we'll get uh, we'll get the IRS off my back. Uh, so putting this back to the movie machine, like going more international, is probably a good idea. You're able to like the movie's not a runaway hit anywhere but Britain, which is to be expected. But it makes enough everywhere. You still only make about sixty million, but you're still able to make the movie. Thirty million was plenty to make this movie, so you're able to double your money. And it's fairly successful. Like I said, it's well thought of of like British comedy fans, and 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 it's very popular among the stand-up comic community because there's so many camo cameos of stand-up comics from around the world. So yeah, it, it's a decent film. That's what I'll give you. I mean, that's most. The movie machine's given like a, eh, no, I'll give it a thumbs up. You know, like, that's the most enthusiastic I typically see the movie machine. A uh, shrug with thumbs. Yeah, exactly, right. a shrug with thumbs. So, <laughs> as always, uh, we end with some wisdom from our patron saint, Guy Fieri. And it's one of his quotes. It's spelled faux, but with an accent, so it's pronounced fa, so you don't forget it. Thank you, everyone. Every one of these quotes is <laughs> <laughs>